Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. This week's episode is with Bonnie Hurst. Bonnie is the author of Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence, And today we have a really interesting conversation about when hard and tragic things happen and it feels like God didn't answer your prayers. Okay, real quick, don't skip over this. I need to tell you about something super exciting. The Crappy Christian Podcast finally has merch. I am going to absolutely toot my own horn and tell you that it is stocked full of really great and really fun designs, t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, hats, you are going to love them. So jump over to crappychristianpodcast.com slash shop to check it out. Hey, Bonnie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Blake, for having me. I appreciate it. So you have an incredible story. Uh, You wrote a book and we are going to really just open it up and talk about your journey and then the really the things that God has taught you and and guided you towards along the way. So to open us up, I think it's probably very necessary to give you some space to tell your, you and your daughter and your family's story and about your book. Okay. Well, in the spring of 2009, uh, my husband and I, we've been married for about 47 years. Anyway, our daughter was 35 years old at the time. Uh, Lacey was arrested. She was charged in a conspiracy to commit a murder for hire. Her husband was having an affair, and his girlfriend was killed. Fingers pointed to our daughter, Lacey. We bailed her out of jail, and during the 19 months that we awaited her jury trial, I prayed continually for God to protect her and our family. I truly believed that he would answer my prayers. Um, He always seemed to grant whatever I prayed for, so why would this be any different? Um, He didn't this time. In November 2010, Lacey was sentenced to life without parole. I questioned God, how? How could you have allowed this? Where are you? Where were you? I was devastated. I can't, I mean, I can't imagine the... It's the pain of walking through that with your child and walking through that with God, right? So it's almost like a double-edged, this is painful, and then I feel unseen and unheard and abandoned by God. Yes, yes, (laughs) very true. Uh, When you grow up a believer and you always pray and your prayers are always answered, you just anticipate them to always be answered. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And when they aren't, you... I mean, I doubted God. I doubted that he would ever even listen to my prayers again uh, or answer any of them. It was a tough time. Yeah. And so you wrote that story in a book. I did. Um, The the book, uh, Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence, I started that as journaling. Uh, A girlfriend had given me a journal a couple of months before Lacey was arrested. And I started just writing kind of like you used to in a diary when you were a young girl, 
just the daily happenings. And pretty soon it morphed into prayers and lifting my family up to God. Um, just writing down what happened that day or what prayers were answered. You know, maybe along the way we were we were having little little tidbits of positive things that I could see God's hand in. Mm-hmm. Really, our our the plan for our conversation is to kind of talk about that, which I think a lot of people wrestle with. Probably not, maybe not in the magnitude of having you know a child serving a life sentence, but I think most of us have experienced that the no from God, right? And and having your question be, well, did I, I didn't, pr- I must not have prayed hard enough. I must not have believed hard enough, even though you, I know, grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we all go through difficult times. I think that's just a given. Does God always answer our prayers? Not always the way we anticipate them to be answered. Right. You know, that's a tough lesson to learn. Yeah, and and the idea that God is is still good and still loves us in the know, that, you know, speaking into your circumstances specifically feels impossible to believe. It was. I, you know, when, when I thought back over it, when I started writing this, I thought, you know, I must have not kept praying. I must not have still believed in God because he let me down. He let my daughter down. But I look back over some of those journal entries, and just a couple of days after her conviction, I wrote in there that I still believed in him. And that kind mm. of surprised me. It, it, that was a real shock that two or three days after her, her conviction, I'm like, yeah, I still, I still believe, God, that you've got your hand in my life. Yeah, and I think... Gosh, if that's not a testament to journaling, I don't know what is, because sometimes yeah. <laughs> we need to remind ourselves what we believed when we don't necessarily feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. To be able to look back and see in in the face of tragedy that your your answer was still, I believe in you. And, and I would imagine to read that later and be thinking, oh, oh, I guess I, I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, it was... Uh... You know, and and there again, that could have been God's hand in all of this too. That I wasn't a journaler mm. until just a couple of months before Lacey was arrested. So I had that outlet, I had that ability to write without anyone seeing what I was writing or what my fears were or my prayers were. You know, I can look back at that and say, okay, well, maybe he was there even, maybe he knew what was happening and and Mm -hmm. was going to happen or whatever and was facilitating a release for me. And an eventual book and testament and story. Yes. I know you said that it kind of morphed into that. So what did that process look like to go from the conviction and your answer to that kind of being, I must not have prayed enough, what have the last nine years looked like or kind of processing through that oh well right after the conviction I I dropped into depression I stayed in bed I didn't want to function I didn't want to go grocery shop and I didn't want to be seen anywhere in our small community you know when the when the shelves are empty and the refrigerator is empty you kind of have to go get some food (laughs) (laughs) and so our community 
I mean, everyone pretty much knew us. We're in a very small, small place, uh, a thousand population. Uh, we also have a restaurant in another town that's only a 5,000 population. So we were known because we were business people. Uh, that's tough. Your daughter's face is plastered all over the newspapers for months and months before her trial. And then it's plastered again, you know, uh, daughter sentenced to life in prison. So it took me a while to pull myself out of depression. Um, Lacey's kids, uh, at the time, I think they were 8 and 11, they came to live with us about six months after she went to prison. That was another step of God putting his hand to help us. Uh, that made me get out of bed, at least in the mornings, to help them mm. out, you know, off to school. <laughs> I crawl back into bed afterwards, but... Yep. You know, I, then I always got back up when they got home. It, it, I think that was, I can look at that as, as his grace in helping me through the situation. Absolutely. Which, which I think that's, that's a testament to your ability and, and desire to see his hand. Because I'm sure that there are people who would have viewed it as exclusively a burden. I didn't see any blessings until several years down the road. But when I when I was writing this book, they say you're not supposed to write a book to heal yourself. And that's not what I wrote it for, but it did help heal me. About the third or fourth to the last chapter when I was starting to write down and acknowledge what blessings we had had through this trauma, I started looking at that. And I'm like, wow, maybe he was there. Maybe, maybe there were prayers being answered that I wasn't seeing. Mm. And and along the way, when I started looking at more and more, it was like, he was there. He was answering. He just wasn't answering the way I wanted him to answer. But how he answered and brought people into our lives, and it was, it was really astronomical. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Zondervan's newest edition of the NIV Beautiful Word Bible which offers a one-of-a-kind visual treatment of scripture for an even more beautiful quiet time. This updated Bible is also easier to read thanks to Zondervan's exclusive NIV comfort print, designed specifically to create a smoother reading experience. And the great thing is, now through December 31st, listeners can save an additional 10% off of the Beautiful Word Bible by visiting faithgateway.com beautiful and using the promo code crappy Christian at checkout. I can't imagine, you know, and I don't, I think that it would be a disservice to the conversation to act like anyone could that hasn't walked through something like that, right? But at the same time, I know that there have been big asks in my life that the answer has been no to that like you're saying, in the moment, you just feel abandoned and unheard. But I think that the beauty of a relationship with Christ is that, like, there, there, I think that there are circumstances where we, in our earth side lifetime, don't ever get to see what the good was. Right. Where we don't get to see where his hand was sometimes. I don't know that that's necessarily promised us, but it's really beautiful when we do. 
Yes, yes. I, one huge lesson that I learned throughout this was to, I see God in nature. I see his hand in so many different things. And just going outside and watching a sunset or the hummingbirds, you know, flitting between the feeders or a dew-kissed flower, those I accept as God giving us or answering prayers. It may not be that I've prayed for a dew-kissed flower, but I see his hand in good things. And to be able to start looking at it that way, that opens the doors to, oh, well, what else was he showing me? What else was he providing me during those times? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What does life look ne- like now? Well, uh, my husband and I are 65 now, so we have actually sold both restaurants. We've sold our house. We've moved to a small resort town. Uh, both of Lacey's children are full grown now. They're 19 and 22. They're off on their own and, and doing very well. Uh, my husband and I actually got to get in a motor home and travel south uh, for a few Aww. months last winter. So, you know, life as we know it is not perfect because our daughter is still in prison, but we get to communicate with her. Um, but, you know, it's been nine years since since her conviction and life moves on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What is your your hope and your prayer for your book? You know, I hope that someone reads this and a a friend shared a quote with me that, that is very profound, I thought. Let me read it to you. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome a difficult path in life and it will become a part of someone else's survival guide. You know, that's, that would be the highest compliment I could think of for, for my book to become a guidepost, you know, for others that are going through desperation. That's an incredible quote. And that's an incredible prayer and intention for like something that you've put out into the world that your hardship could become a part of, of someone else's survival guide. And I think that yeah, that is the highest praise, right? <laughs> that is the, yeah. that would be the highest praise. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your your story, however difficult it is to talk about, and gosh, for putting it into a book and putting that out in the into the world in hopes that it'll help someone else. Um, tell people where they can find and follow you and grab your book. I have a website, bonniesherst.com. Uh, I'm also on, I have a Facebook author page, which is Bonnie S. Hurst. They can find purchase links on there. I'm on Amazon. Uh, my publication date was uh, Tuesday, September 24th. So it's only been a couple of days. Oh my so goodness. I'm, yeah, it, it was an exciting day. You know, all through the writing of this book, this is not a book I would have written. I like feel-good things. Give me a Hallmark Channel movie and I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, but I felt God guiding me to write this book. And throughout the whole process, I would get little nudges and say, oh, well, remember this. This is, you, need to, you need to maybe look at this. That's how kind of I went back to my journals and researched them. It was like, oh, got this little nudge, you know, so... I have always felt that 
I really didn't author this book. I think God did. And he did an awesome job. Yes, that's amazing. I love that so much. Bonnie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Blake. I appreciate it. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.